<laughs> what you mean I be doing the most? So 14 of Molly with the Most podcast. And on this podcast, I do have a guest with me today. And we are going to discuss some very um, serious topics. So I do want to first give a disclaimer and let you all know that this is a trigger warning episode. It will talk about rape, sexual assault, sexual violence towards women. So if those are triggers for you, um, this episode might be a little much for you, but I do hope that you can sit and listen to it and give feedback. You know, I love when you all respond back on Instagram or Twitter in regards to the topics that I discussed. But again, I do want to give that disclaimer that this may be a trigger warning episode for some of you all. And uh, like I said, my guest, her name is Wit. She actually went to um, Alabama and with me. And we didn't necessarily know each other at AM, but the power of social media, like you get cool with everybody <laughs> off of social media. So I am going to let Wit introduce herself and you can just tell the people a little bit about you. Um, my name is Wit, Whitney, either or. Um, I am ooh, 32, Lord, 32, 31. <laughs> uh, I forget, but um, I'm a mom. Um, I did go to AM. I uh, went there for a while. I think we have a lot of friends in common, like uh, Sin and Andrea. Um, we do, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we have a couple friends in common. Um, I am living in Birmingham. Um, used to live quite a lot of places, but, you know, single mom, trying to do my little thing, you know. Um, yeah, it's just me. Uh, I'm, I don't, don't want to say I'm nobody special, but, like, you know. Just your regular, regular girl. I mean, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> no, trust me. I understand. I definitely understand. So you said you're 32, right? Yeah, Jesus. Ooh, <laughs> <laughs> so what? So what does 32 look like for you? Like, how is that feeling, especially right now during this pandemic? Man, 32 is. I don't know. It's a breath of fresh air. Like, um, I've kind of started this year with, like, trying to get my body together and, like, just get really healthier and stuff and working out. And, you know, as you're getting older, you know, things don't snap back like you used to. Hurts <laughs> you don't know. You know, drinking hurts now. So, um, 32 is, is kind of like a restart for me. Like, I feel like you, in your 20s, you dread 30. So, Mm-hmm. But yeah. I've seen it as just like a fresh start for me, you know. Um, I very much used to be someone who, you know, live for the day and worried about tomorrow later. Um, you know, mm-hmm. I think in my thirties, I think more about the future and you know things that I want to accomplish, and you know, not just getting dead set on oh, I'm thirty, this is it. <laughs> you know, um, I'm excited. I, I like my thirties. It's, it's a lot more fun, and I. Think so the funny thing is I was definitely one of those people in my 20s who dreaded turning 30 like all of my friends can tell you I was just so like my life is not where it's supposed to be I'm this I'm that I don't have this I don't have that and then when 30 hit I was just like this shit lit (laughs) like I love my 30s now like my 30s I feel like I'm flourishing a whole lot more than I was in my 20s Yeah, so much a hot mess, but like you know, you're you're 
you're a little, you know a little bit more. You're invincible a little bit more. So, you know, I think it's cruise control. So, oh yeah, like it's it's a growing pain. <laughs> it's a lesson, but I am so grateful for my 30s. Like I'm flourishing, but I will say, you know, I'm still making like some um horrible oh, decisions, yeah. some piss poor decisions with things. <laughs> One of the decisions was um, going back to my episode last mm-hmm. week about the uh, stealthing mm-hmm. when I decided to engage in sexual intercourse with a young man <laughs> that, you know, played the situation a way that I did not like it. And you listened to that episode. Yes, correct? I did. I did. Uh, talking about his hammer. And, uh... <laughs> <laughs> See, and that was the problem. The hammer was what what caused the whole situation if I would never grab me and I would never known it was a hammer I probably would not have had sex with that man so I will say I initiated some intercourse because I wanted to see what the hammer was like but then you know he flipped the whole fucking script (laughs) and you know I, there was a situation that um, I can't say that I've learned from and I can't say that it would never happen again because I'm not in control of that. You get what I'm saying? It's like, it's the guy's decision to do something like that unbeknownst to me that like, oh, hold on. Because sometimes you can tell when a condom is off and sometimes you can't. Like, yeah, so I just didn't like that. But what were your thoughts about the episode? So, the the part where he said, I just had to was just like, how how dare you? How dare you feel like that you just do do what the fuck you want to do, my nigga? That mm-hmm. was the biggest thing that stood out is just, oh, I just had to, and that you can't control yourself enough to respect me and my boundaries and what I told you. I mean, you lucky enough that I fucked you, and like, my exactly, you know, you'll do some <laughs> shit like some sleepy shit like that. That's just not okay. Like, you can't. <laughs> Yeah, it was just like, it was low down. It was creepy as hell. Like, when I think about it afterwards, it was just like, you thought that this was okay? Did you really think that I was just going to be like, oh, it's no problem. Let's continue or something like that. And it did make me think like, is this a pattern with you? Is this something you do with mm-hmm. women? Is this the first time? Like, but like I said on the last episode, I've never spoken to him after that. So I don't know if this is a routine for him. And I'm hope that it's not. And I hope after that encounter, he learned, um, you know, that that's not something you do, especially when I let him know, like, that's low-key considered right. Like, you don't do that against somebody. Yeah, like, against somebody. We, like, I just, I didn't like it. And I hope that he has learned from that. I wish him the best. But the crazy thing about the episode, I actually had a guy who I don't know um, reach out to me on Twitter and he told me he listened to the episode and that was something that he had previously done to um, a young woman. So it was one of those things where it's just like, I didn't know how to react or what to say back because I didn't know him or, you know, their situation. But I just basically told him, you know, I I hope that he has grown, you know, from this situation. He's learned that there's something that, you know, you're not supposed to do to women. And, you know, I'm hoping and I'm praying he didn't really go into details. He just said that he, you know, there's something that he now know is wrong. So to actually... 
you know, have somebody reach out that had done that. It was it was a shock, but I was um, grateful, you know, for his growth and to acknowledge that what he did was wrong with someone else. And I hope if he's listening to this episode, I hope that you reach out to that young lady, um, you know, and apologize and just let her know, like, you understand why it's wrong now. And, you know, at least help her find some type of um, peace within herself if the situation exactly. triggered her. So. I'm grateful for that. But you had a situation that you were telling me about that was some, you know, somewhat similar to yes. my story. So um, I used to live in New York. Um, after I left Huntsville, after I left A&M, um, I went to New York and I lived up there. Um, I was there for a couple of years. And, you know, I had a situation where mine really wasn't consent. And forewarning mm-hmm. for anybody listening, um, I do make, I'm not making light of the situation. But I have a defense mechanism where I sometimes make jokes or I may like laugh about something. So just want to put that out there. But um, so I had a situation. I'm so sorry. No, you're fine. <laughs> I, have a, I had a situation where I was, you know, leaving home from work, you know, got on the subway or whatever. And, you know, walking home per usual, it was late. But, you know, I was walking home. I always, you know, just did that. So when I was walking home, the guy from the corner store, like, used to flirt with the dude or whatever. And, you know, but nothing intentional of saying, like, hey, let's fuck. You know, it was never a situation like that. Mm-hmm. Just, you know, harmless flirting and give me a coffee or something like that. You know, you know, women's. so when I he came and grabbed me and I'm just like hey you gotta stop like you know like let's let's cool this like you know I don't want to be all up on you like this and mind you we was in an alleyway kind of by the store and by where my apartment was so at this point I'm like it's late I'm, you know, I'm going to just try to be as safe as possible because I got nervous. You know, I didn't know what was about to happen because, like, he was just all in my space. Well, that led to him, you know, kissing all up on me. And, you know, I'm like, hey, you got to stop. Like, you know, I don't know you, but I know of you from seeing you. Like, you got to stop. Well, me being... In my 20s and just like, you know, just let it happen. It'll be over. You can go back to business and, you know, you just don't have to fuck with him no more. Well, as he proceeded to have sexual intercourse with me, I kind of noticed that he didn't put a condom on. And kind of realized that he didn't. I was like, hey, you got to stop. This is not okay. Like, you know, pregnancy and like, uh, you know, STIs, that's the first thing that popped in my head. Like, yo, I don't know what this guy has. You know, I don't know what's going to happen. And the moment I fought back, that's when it got violent. And mind you, this is outside. This is not in a house. This is not in a room. This is in a little bitty little alley space between two buildings. And, you know, I've been, you know, sexually attacked before. So my defense was just let it happen because I can, you know, go deal with it afterwards, but I want to just live. When I started fighting mm-hmm. back, 
that's when it got physical. Like, he beat my ass, basically. Like, real shit, completely beat me up. Um, and I screamed, I yelled, you know, nothing stopped him. He continued and did what he did. And when he was finished, he got up, left me on the ground, said thank you, and walked away. Wow. Um, what? You know, it's something that, you know, like I said, I've I've been sexually attacked before and um was molested as a kid, you know, so like it's that was something that was kind of part of me that later on in life I had to learn that like certain some of my traits that I had uh were were because of events like this. And even to the fact of just saying, you know, letting it happen before it got violent, which is a part mm-hmm. of a defense mechanism of just like, okay, just let it happen. You'll deal with it. You'll bury it. You know, you'll drink it away, smoke it away, do, you know, any of those things just to, you know, just so I can stay alive. And, you know, right. this particular incident, it really, it really messed me up. Like, um, I didn't leave my house <laughs> at dark. Um, I lost my job because I wasn't going to work because I, I was scared to leave my house at night. You know, um, that's understandable because that's a traumatic, you know, situation right. that you went and, through. You know, it ended up. I ended up coming back to Alabama for a while because I was just like, you know, I can't cope. I can't, you know. It really, it really fucked with me and changed me completely. Um, especially coming from somebody who, majority of my life, I exclusively only dated women. Um, I didn't start dating guys till I was about twenty eight, twenty seven. So, to you know, I'm just now getting this feeling for guys, and you know, trying to see what it's all about. And then this happens. It's just like, whoa, okay. Damn, I should have just stepped with the coochie because this is this is too much, you know. So um, it 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 changed me to what's the word I want to say? It, it it made me a little hard for a long time. I'm not gonna lie, like put me in a whole kind of fuckboy kind of situation as far as it came with making connections with people. But mm-hmm. as I told you, it was. It was a blessing and a curse. Um, I went through a metamorphosis of just completely changing from the woman that I used to be who was carefree and, you know, very, I've always been a very sexually liberated person. Um, A lot of things about me changed after that happened. But the good that came out of it is I started therapy. And Therapy is something that I think completely, totally helped me, like, work through not only that sexual assault, but others that I had went through and, you know, just other things and how to process that. And I, you know, I hate that I had to have that kind of catalyst to make that change in Mm -hmm. me, but it it helped, you know, and um, I went through that at a pivotal time because not only was I, when that happened, I was already pregnant with my daughter. I just didn't know. 
while oh, I was goodness. going through the process of trying to heal from this rape that happened, like the week before Thanksgiving, I found out I'm five months pregnant. And I'm just like, okay, <laughs> we got to work through this. You know, I don't, I don't want to be crying and the baby crying and trauma. So, you know, it was, it was very much a fast track of, you know, you can't rush healing, but I wanted to go ahead and get it in place so that I could be in a good place mentally for my kid, you know, and to, to work right. through that and not, and not just have that cloud working on me. It took, it took a lot of work. It took a lot of crying. It took a lot of forgiveness, you know? Um, I mm-hmm. went through a big phase of learning how to forgive people. Just because I forgive them doesn't mean, you know, we go. <laughs> All right. Definitely. You don't forget it. I'll forgive you. And that's my forgiveness is more for myself oh, than it is for you. And you know, um it just it it was it was it was a hard thing to get over. And you know, you you try to heal one thing and a can of worms open up for the other one and you know they're all connected mm-hmm. things that way. So um like I said, it was it was just it's a big part and you know, it happened four years ago, but around that time, I still kind of just be like, mm, okay, that happened. But instead of dwelling on it or getting sad, because I'm going I'm to say the first year or two, it was kind of like, mm, I'll feel some kind of way and it would kind of ruin my day. But now I look at it as, okay, that happened. Look where you've came from that mentally, you know, look, look where you are now from that broken person that you were when that happened. I think Mm -hmm. you never forget, because I know last episode you were saying, you know, years down the line, you know, hopefully you never think about it. I think what happens is as as you heal from it, you forget a little about it every day, you know? Um, uh, And you'll still have triggering moments. I, I smell certain things. And I'm just like, mm, it'll, you you know, you have a flashback or something like that. But I never let it get the best of me. And I think about it helps okay. big time. Like, um, I think sharing with other women that this happened to me or I see you, we, you know, we, we, we went through the same struggle. I think knowing that you're not alone mm-hmm like helps and I know for me even hearing that you know other girls that I know were molested like I thought for years I thought oh it's only me and lifetime you know yeah that's definitely something within the black community that is like we do not talk about at all and it happens with so many of us whether you know female or male when you're a child but it's just like you don't think that it's happening to other people, but yeah. it does. And then also you don't realize that it's happening to other right. people in your family, like exactly. type of thing. So I and that's why I'm glad you're here, you know, to discuss the topic that we're discussing is because I think it's one of those things like it's uncomfortable. It's a trigger. 
But it's things that have to be said and they have to be heard by other people because you have to know that you are not alone with, you know, the things that you've gone through. And it's like going back to the episode last week, um, within the first 24 hours of me putting out that podcast episode and then talking about still thing on my personal Instagram page, like I had at least 10 women like reach out to me throughout my inboxes and basically say that, you know, this has happened to them or it just happened or they didn't know it was a technical um, name for it. And I didn't either. I didn't know what it was called. I just knew that I didn't like that feeling. I knew that I felt violated, like type of thing. But just me talking about that situation and then these women reaching out, I can't even lie, like last week, I was just so emotional that I just started crying because it's just like this happens to us and a good nine times out of ten, we yeah. shrug the shit off. Like, oh, yeah. well, you know, boys yeah. will be boys. Yeah, it happened. Like, I got to keep it pushing. But then we don't realize how triggering, you know, the situation was until like you said, you smell something or you hear something or you see something and it's just like, no, that shit is fucked up. Now, like, I think I mentioned last episode, I did not go to therapy and I know I need therapy from a lot of things that have happened within my life and just what's happening in my life right now. I know I need therapy and I, for the last year, I will say I've been looking and putting it off, looking and stopping, looking and I still haven't and I know that I need to actually pinpoint a person and actually go because there's so much that I do need to release that so I can be able and comfortable enough to discuss it on this podcast for other people, you know, who has gone through similar um, situations. So I do want to ask you, after your situation happened, how long, you know, did it take you to realize, you know, I need to go to therapy for this? And then when did you actually go? Um, I think when I got back to Birmingham, I kind of realized like, okay, um, we need to see somebody like it was just, I would have random spurts of just anger and crying and just like, at, at a certain point you get sick and tired of yourself. You know what I mean? And, and like, you know, in a, in a derogatory way, but like, at a certain point in your life, you get tired of being sad and you get tired of of letting your emotions dictate your life. You know, I, I've always struggled with depression and this one just wouldn't shake no matter what I did. You know, I, I used to be a very wild person and no matter what drinking did, I still, you know, had this problem. You know, anything I did wouldn't cope and what made me really do it was I wanted to just get past it. I was tired of the nightmares. I was tired of the crying. I was tired of being afraid. And I started going actually after I found out I was pregnant. And that was the thing that was just like, okay, for real go, you know, because I did the same thing. I would go to one session with one therapist and like, oh, okay, you know, we'll wait. I went again to another. I went through like three different therapists, and you know, one lady cried while I was crying, and I was like, <laughs> "I'm the one that's supposed to be crying, not you." You know, so like, um, it it was it was a process. You know, I understand, but I think when you know you're ready, you go. 
And Mm -hmm. um, I think my daughter was my biggest drive behind it for me to go because I I just, I didn't want to bring her into that, you know, you know, postpartum is something that happens so often. I didn't want to add that to rape trauma, you know? Yeah, that's a lot. Just emotions everywhere. Well, with lack of sleep too. So (laughs) I, I, I just wanted to, I just wanted to to be better, and I like I told you, I was I was sick and tired of myself. Like, really had a conversation. Like, mm. do you want to be this crime person? You know, thank God for my one of my best friends. Like, I would call her all the time, just crying. And I eventually was like, you know, it's not her responsibility, even though I know she's there for for her to help me work through this. I need to I need to do the work, and I need to I need to fix this. And that's that that's just was my determining factor of like I need to be okay, you know. So yeah. I got you. So I'm glad you brought up you reaching out to one of your best friends. How long did it take you to you know tell someone that this I happened told to you? My best friend that lives in New York. I told her the day or the night after it happened. Because the day that it happened, I kind of went back to my house and I showered and I showered and I showered and cried and, you know, just kind of tried to get myself together. Um, I told her and then I kind of, and I'm happy I did because if I didn't, I don't think I would have made it out of my apartment because... (laughs) <laughs> it was just it was a lot like I I, I needed someone mm-hmm. but I, I told her pretty soon and she did her she did her best at making me feel okay and letting me know it wasn't my fault and I'm very happy that I, I had her because I told somebody else and they kind of just blew it off you know, another somebody who I thought was friends and they were going through their own thing. And when I told them, like, you know, I can't come meet you right now because it's dark because I just got raped. He kind of put off like, "Uh, okay, but Mm -hmm. I'm hurting too. And I'm just like, well, screw you too, dude. But, you know, um, after that, it took a while. I, I wouldn't tell anybody. But as my healing began, I began sharing um, just like you know, you said people were hitting you up after the episode. I think there's, I think there's power in community and sharing those stories of of, sim- mm-hmm. of similar experiences. I think, like I said, it, it's, it's it's power in knowing that somebody else went through what you went through, and they didn't die, or you know that they survived through, or you right. know working to work through it. I think you get a sense of liberation and and taking the power back of the situation when you speak on it to show that it doesn't hurt you. And I'm not saying you have to tell the world. You don't. (laughs) But I think (laughs) it helps to speak it out loud because for so long, I didn't even want to say it, you know? I don't tell people. Mm -hmm. But I want to be somebody who can always say, hey, haven't been exactly where you are, but I've been there. And you, it, 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 that worst day of your life, 
you forget about it. You you get past it, you know, because for some people it is. It is that is the worst thing that can happen to you is to have somebody violate your body, whether it be through, you know, stealthing or rape or somebody touching you. Um, um, I know last mm-hmm. week you were saying that a friendly girl was like, is that rape? Yes. You you have a boundary, you know? Yeah. Whether I gave you consent and said, hey, let's do it. But with this, with these boundaries, and you cross that, you violated me. You, it violates me without my yeah. permission because this is yeah. my body, you know. And I think we, especially within the African American community, we we grow up and we just think sex is sex is intercourse like type of thing yeah. okay so that's true but then we're not taught right. consent with that we're not taught as far as girls and boys that you need to ask and you need to give consent you know to engage in sexual intercourse and then another thing that's not discussed within the african-american community um, that I feel isn't discussed is the different types of rape culture as far as you know being actually raped or being touched inappropriate being um, molested you know things like that like a lot of it isn't talked about or something as subtle as like I said being touched inappropriate as far as how many times you know, when you were in high school, did a boy grab your booty? Or how many times, like, in the club, a guy has to grab on you to get past you, when in actuality, you don't even have to put your fingers or your hands on my body to get past me. Or even as far as elementary, grab a girl, what is it, get a girl, grab a girl, or grab a girl, get a girl, whatever. Yeah, it's just like, we thought that those things were innocent growing up, because honestly, not a lot of black families were talking about inappropriate touches or what's right and wrong. We were more so just taught like sex is gonna get you a baby I, and don't I think do it. The basis <laughs> like, of my sex talk was my mom, it was never don't let this uh if you get pregnant, if you start having sex, I ain't keeping no babies. Like that that was the thing of like don't have a baby, mm-hmm. not like, you know. To touch you, but that also has to yeah. go with just us as girls, black girls. Up, we're so hypersexualized, and I, mm-hmm. I remember being called fast when I got boobs. You know, I had big tits my whole life till I got a and you know, I didn't. <laughs> I was called fast or told not to wear this because so boys wouldn't do stuff instead of telling. You know, I grew up in a house full of boys. Instead of telling them, hey, don't do that to girls, you know, it was always don't wear that so they can't see you or sit with your legs closed, you know, what like why always had this this thing of like, why is it my responsibility to help you control your urges and and what you're not supposed to do, you know? And this is even as a young girl, I always thought like, it's not fair. (laughs) You know, you It's not. It's not. We are literally teaching our girls, don't wear this. You can't talk like this. You can't dress like this. You can't sit like this. Like, it's going to, you know, attract a boy or it's going to attract a grown man. I remember, I think I must have been in the sixth or maybe the seventh grade. And my mom had a conversation with me because, of course, you know, you start developing boobs and hips and butts. And it was just like, 
you basically grown men go start looking at you now. And it's just like, huh? <laughs> like, it was just a weird conversation because I'm like, you know, sixth and seventh grade, middle school, you talking about grown men? Because it was just like, I think I had the boy conversation in fifth grade when I first got my menstrual cycle. And it was more so like, now you can start having babies. And it was just like, huh? <laughs> Let's go a little more in depth with these conversations because I'm a kid. I'm not processing it the way that it needs to be processed. So the first conversation was about, okay, you got your menstrual. Now you can start having babies. The second one was, okay, now you're developing and grown. Men go start looking at you. And it's just like, those conversations are good, but you have to go in depth with those. Like, you have to let these kids know. But also, talk to your boys about stuff like that. That It is not okay to put your hands on a woman sexually or abusively. You know, have these conversations with boys so they know what's right and wrong. Because you get so many of them, especially, you know, middle school, your hormones all over the place. And you thinking it's okay to, you know, grab a girl by her butt or push up on her or, you know, whatever the case is. And it's just like, no, (laughs) but they get a pass for that shit. And it's because it's been going on from generation to generation to generation. It's it's so funny, but I mean, it's so funny that it's still happening now. Like you would even now, you know, Mm -hmm. I hear people all the time. Oh, so-and-so got a little girlfriend. But if my daughter says, well, I like, you ain't like nobody. You don't need to like nobody. You know what I mean? It, it, it just sets <laughs> yeah. up the tone of boys thinking, oh, okay, I can do this. Like I like I said, grabbing the butt or touching. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I teach my daughter real big, stay out of my space. <laughs> don't get in my bubble, you know, because you have to set those boundaries. And even, mm-hmm. you know, little boys that I come in contact with friends that have boys, I teach them that, like, you can't just grab her. Ask her if you can hold her hand or if you can do these things. It, it's something that we yep. do need to to start doing, whether you're a parent or I or anything. You try to try to show consent to your to your male counterparts in your family and friends, any of that. Like, even my brothers, you know, I've had to, you know, explain things and you know, show them that like some of the stuff that you do is not okay, and, and you know that you you are being consentful yeah. with the women that you fool with and stuff like that. And I, I think it takes you know we already do so much as black women, but it takes us kind of being <laughs> very hard about teaching about consent and speaking up about it because you know it, it's it's a very hush hush thing that we talk about in our community. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, if it's not taught at the appropriate age with boys that grow up and we get into these situations exactly. that you and I have been placed in, where they think that, oh, it's okay for me to take this condom off, or it's okay for me to basically confine this one and take what I want from her. But it's like, yeah. no, yeah. Like, no. And it's just like, what in your mind thinks that this is okay? And like, in your situation, it's like, what goes through your mind that you think you can corner a woman 
and then take what you want and say thank you and walk off from it. And the fact that you've already been um, sexually abused and now you add the violence and now you're being physically abused and he walks off like it's okay. So in my mind, it's just like this may be a repetitive thing for you. You were definitely not taught, you know, that this is not okay. And when you think about so many situations where women, you know, have been raped and it's just like who the fuck raised y'all? Like, where's my mommy? <laughs> like, where's, like, your mama, your daddy, your grandma, whoever household you was in, like, what made you think that I can take this from a woman? I can take her flower from her. I can take her vagina from her and have my way with it and then walk off like nothing is wrong. Like, for me, not to... And of course, not all men, but for these men who have sexually abused or raped a woman, it's just like, what goes through your mind afterwards? Do you feel you know, any type I, I of I thought about work? that. I thought about, you know, if that was a big thing of like, does he even remember? Does he even care or know like the pain you just put me through? And, you know, I, I think they don't. I don't think it passes their mind. They don't feel like they did anything wrong. Because if they did, you wouldn't have did it in the first place. I think they want to get their fix or, or you know, get their nut off. And that's all they think about. And they go get it at any means necessary because they feel like they're entitled to it. A lot of people feel like they're entitled oh to, to have sex with you. And you tell them, no, they feel like, why? I'm me. Like, you should want it to me. No. Mm-hmm. Yep, and I don't like the ones who think, okay, they commit the crime, you know, they do this act, and then they want to blame the woman, the victim blaming, or even people from the outside that's looking in. Oh, what was she wearing? What was she talking like? Was she flirting with him? I don't give a fuck if I was ready to have sex with this person, and then the moment he pulled his dick out, I say, you know what, I don't want to do this. I don't want... I have that fucking right to change my fucking mind at the last fucking minute to say, you know what? This is playing on my conscience. I don't feel good about this situation. I would rather not engage in sexual intercourse with you. The man Mm -hmm. should be able to accept that, understand it. You got the right to be mad because your hormones is all up in a a rage. (laughs) So you got the right to be mad, but you cannot be mad to where you feel like you can take it. To where you feel like um, you know you can put your hands on me or anything like that. So I'm not gonna say you can't be mad. You can, but you have to respect the fact that you know what no means no. She said no, and you know let it go, like type of thing. But you get so many people that will victim blame. Well, she led him on. I don't give a fuck. If I said no, that's what I meant in that moment. I might have wanted to fuck you and then my conscience came into play. (laughs) And it was like, you don't want to do this. This is not what you want. But they try to victim blame and I think that that is honestly what pisses me off the most. And then to me, it seems like I hear it from a lot of Mm -hmm. women who victim blame and it's kind of like if you've never gone through it be grateful and be thankful that that has never happened to you because the moment and I don't wish it to happen to anybody but the moment something like that it happens to you your whole perspective yeah. is going to change 
because you didn't ask for it. No matter if a motherfucker is wearing a bikini in the middle of winter walking down the street, that don't mean she wants your, your hands on her body. That does not mean she's asking to have sex with you. But I think that goes into how we're taught. Like, when I, and I don't know, let me ask you this. When you were little, could you wear like red lipstick or red fingernail um, polish? It wasn't, well, I was not to wear makeup, but like the polish thing, oh. it wasn't that. My, my, my mom's biggest thing was um, don't ask people, don't ask men for stuff. Like, it could be or anything, mm. you know, asking like, Hey, let me get 50 cent. That that was just the the biggest. No, I got the worst whipping for asking somebody for a quarter for a bebop, you know, little cool cup thing with Kool-Aid. Um, mm-hmm. I got the worst whipping for that. Um, my mom wasn't so much on the aesthetics of that, but um when we moved in with my step my stepdad, you know, I have two brothers. It was more so don't walk in the house around the house with those shorts on. Go put on some pink. Or um, yeah. that shirt too low. Yep. Go change the shirt. Like your daddy friends here. Why you got them tight pants on? It was stuff like that. Yeah, and it's just like being at the age you don't realize. You just kind of like I'm at home. <laughs> I'm comfortable, like type of thing. But it's like, why are you basically telling me not to entice a grown man or you know whoever is at the house? And when it's like, I'm not trying to entice this person. I'm being comfortable in my home. Why with this or why should this even run through this grown person's mind? like type of thing but yeah so I definitely grew up in a household um where it was similar like okay don't wear this or you know change that that's too short but it was the red nail polish the red lipstick I was taught that that's for whore street walkers and Jezebels oh my lord like that oh lord that was a big one um in my family uh you know I used to have a rap if you had a comb in your pocket Cause I nurses. Apparently, mm-hmm. that meant you were a whore because you know you sleeping at night. So I'm telling you, my grandma lit him and said, "Why you gotta call me if I got like some little whore?" I'm almost like, "Cause I don't carry a purse." But okay, like it's it's it. You know the tribulations that we have to go through as young black girls is a mess. Mm-hmm. Like just completely and utterly. It, it sometimes it can just be so crazy. The things here. See, I've never heard that one <laughs> with the comb. <laughs> like, but it's just so crazy because it's always like passed down generation to generation, all these, you know, stipulations and rules that we shouldn't do. And I can see, man, I think when I was able to store one red was like 18. Oh, red meat down. <laughs> like, I want red toes, red nails, because it was just something like I could not do. So yeah, now I can do it. But it's like when you honestly think about um, them saying young black girls or fast or grown or whatever the case, it's just like a person who is a predator, they're going to prey on whatever they like, whatever is their type. So some men might like the fast looking young, well, I hate the word fast, but I'll just quote it, the quote unquote fast looking Mm -hmm. girl. But you get some that are predators who like the innocent one, the one who looks her age, who looks, you know, like a little girl should look 
And it doesn't matter because they are predators. So yeah, they like what they like type of thing. So that just blows me. But I do think, um, as we said before, the consent conversation, it needs to happen to me Mm -hmm. at an early age. um, It doesn't have to be necessarily, you know, when your kid is five, you're talking to them about sex. But they do need to know, you know, like their personal space. They need to know about other people's personal space. They need to know what are, you know, appropriate touches, what are inappropriate touches, because these people who, you know, groom kids, they groom kids at an early age. So they know what they're doing. (laughs) So it's like, talk to your kids about, you know, consent and things like that at an early age. And then as they get older, incorporate more things. Incorporate, you know, what sexual intercourse is. Let them know what rape is. I think that we have to stop shunning these conversations and stop making them such, you know, a taboo within our community because so many of us are being sexually assaulted or raped or molested or, you know, tricked into these situations, sex trafficking, human trafficking, like type of thing. And we don't realize it until we're in it or until after exactly. it happens. So I I think if we're having these open conversations about this, and especially like for, you know, our age group, a lot of us, you know, have children that could be older or younger. And it's just like, we have to... We have to talk to these kids because I want them to be a better generation mentally than our generation is or was and, <laughs> and as it, a kid. I'm sorry. Talking about it and keeping it open about these conversations just kind of helps not have, I guess, the traumas, the, the outcomes that happen after trauma. Like, I think after... I was sexually assaulted. I became hypersexual. Like, you know, everybody mm-hmm. go through their whole phase. I just had a couple. Um, <laughs> I think that that you know, you you kind of stop that. Not saying there's anything wrong with being a sexual sexually liberated person, but there's a difference between sexually liberated and hypersexual. And I had to learn that. I you know, me thinking that you know, I'm totally free. Love was. Actually, my coping mechanism to deal with my sexual assault, you know, I think mm-hmm. me can me still talking to guys and having sexual intercourse with guys after my rape really kind of was more so for me. Well, let me just prove that all guys aren't like that and all guys aren't going to rape me. And, and and that was me. But, you know, I think. Mm-hmm. learning that in the beginning and knowing that, you know, what rape is and things like that na- that nature to semi-protect you because, you know, you can protect yourself and still not, and, and it still happens, but at least knowing, you know, just to kind of stop a lot of things. Some people get really depressed after, you know, being sexually assaulted. I think we need to talk about this so that we can protect kids and people from just even going through it, you know, because there's a lot of side effects that happen after you get sexually attacked and, and you know, so mm-hmm. I, I think it, it is really important to have this conversation. And I think it's really important to talk to your friend, your guy friends. I have a lot of guy friends and I let them know real quick, like you can't do that. You can't say that. Or, you know, what you did was wrong. And 
I think those are conversations we have to have and we have to call people out on it, you know? But, that you know, true. if you care about somebody and you see they doing some fuck shit, you need to let them know, hey, that wasn't right. Why did you grab that girl? Like, at the club, I used to hate that. Why are you grabbing Stop. Like, she don't want to touch her. You know what I mean? So, that is the conversation mm-hmm. just needs to be had. And in in and have it in a healthy way and not necessarily a scaring way of, oh, you're going to get pregnant or, oh, you're going to get raped. Like, have healthy conversations without, that aren't based in fear, you know? Yes, yeah. Definitely with the fear. Um, because when you hear rape, of course, you are going to be afraid. You are going to be fearful. You think, uh, I don't want that to happen to me or my favorite from people. Oh, that would never happen to me. You don't know, baby. You don't know what these people are capable of. Like, so when people always say that could never be me, that would never happen to me. You think that I thought that this little 24-year-old nigga was gonna get me, got me ever in my life? <laughs> like, no. And for me, I think that's what I was more so mad at the most. It was just like, how did this little right. nigga get me? This little nigga, this young nigga, like, ain't no way, ain't no way, like type of thing. So yeah, it's something that you really have to get out. Other people have to get out the mindset of it will never happen to me. Couldn't be me, like type of thing. You don't, you never know, you know what's going to happen. And then when you get in those situations, you never know how you're going to react. And that's another thing when, mm-hmm. with the victim blaming. Do not blame people for them being the victim of a sexual assault because no means no. And then it's also, you don't know mm-hmm. how you would react in that situation. So I do want to give that disclaimer for anybody who's listening to this episode or even listened to my episode last week and you had any type of judgment towards either story. You don't know how you mentally or how your body will react until yeah. you're in a situation, you know, like that. And then shit, you might just be like, okay, I'm going to just get this over with and be done with it. Or you might just, you know, fight back. Or you might just shut the fuck down and pass out. You never know. So when somebody is giving you, you know, their testimony and they're confiding in you with their story, try your best not to be judgmental. That's all I can say to people. Try your best to not be judgmental and have compassion for that person that just went through a traumatic experience because you don't know how that person is mentally, whether they're okay with what has happened to them, whether they're suicidal with what has happened to them or whether they don't even know how to process it. So have compassion towards people who feel comfortable enough to express their stories to you and that's what I just want the listeners to understand if you've gone through a situation like this you feel comfortable enough or get you a good support group or a good girlfriend or family member hell you can reach out to me <laughs> like you can basically reach out to me and if you just need to confide you know in somebody about your experience about your story like just write me like inbox me video call like whatever the hell you need to do because I want you to understand that you mm-hmm. one or not alone this is something that has happened to women and unfortunately this is something that will continue to happen because I don't want to say men are trash because women yeah. rape too but it's it's a tricky situation <laughs> so 
I just want them to be okay with or be comfortable enough to if they do feel like they need to express themselves find you a safe space find you um a good support system i completely all that <laughs> like, like, like I said, <laughs> talking about it is like the first step of just it's like you, you get a pressure off your chest to just speak it out you know words and you get it out and i'm telling you you will feel so much better, you, you know. Um, but yeah, I, I I think this was very therapeutic in its own. Just you know, being able to speak about it because it just it just helps me help show me that like I've grown and I didn't let it be. So. And I'm thankful for you reaching out to you know even share your story with me um, last week in a DM. And like I said last week, I just became emotional mm-hmm. with everything. So I am grateful for you to even you know share your story on you know the podcast platform for other women and guys um, to listen and hear and just you know see that this happens to your ordinary woman <laughs> like is you don't have to be um in a high fashion magazine you don't have to be a sex worker you don't have to be this or that this happens to everyone like no matter your classification no matter your race no matter your age this is something that can happen to both men and women like and it's a traumatic experience so i'm grateful that you felt comfortable enough to share that with me and with the listeners so I'm going to wrap it up and I do just want to um, just basically get your information um, out to the people if you feel comfortable, if you want them to follow you or inbox you or email you. And if you don't, don't, don't feel <laughs> okay. obligated well, to. <laughs> um, you can follow me on Instagram. Um, it's with Janae, W-H-I-T-J-A-N-A-Y. Um, you can follow me on there if you want to talk about it. Hey, I, I am all down for talking about it. Uh, if you're in my area and need help finding therapists or like going to any of the, the groups uh, that I went to, I went to a couple groups of like other rape victims and had group therapy with them. So um, I am here to talk about it or if you want to share your story, I am here. But yeah, follow me. Find me. thank you so much for sharing your story I'm so grateful and this has definitely been like an eye opener you know conversation because I of course I didn't know this information about you we were just social media friends we had a lot of friends in common so when you reached out I was just like wow like you know okay and then you wanted to be on the show to discuss it so again I'm sorry, of course, that you had to go through something like that. But I do want to say that I'm grateful for your growth in that experience because you definitely sound like you're at a good place, you know, with everything and you're coping well. And I just want women to see that, like, or not even women, men, anybody who's gone through some type of 
or some sort of sexual abuse to see that there is a brighter side like it's going to fuck with you mentally forever but it is going to be a better day it's going to be a brighter side you can get past you know that you will have the flashback moments you will have the triggers but just know that you can get out of you know that depression or whatever you're going through that you are capable of overpowering that and becoming the person that you are supposed to become so I'm grateful for that. And I just want to say thank you. And to the listeners, <laughs> to the listeners, you all know, Instagram is Molly with the most. Twitter is Molly W underscore the most. Feel free to share this episode with women, um, men, people that need to hear it. Feel free to reach out to me. Feel free to reach out to which. You know, if you want to share your story, if you want to write in a letter, if you want to get feedback, I'm always open. I'm even open to criticism. (laughs) So I'm always open (laughs) to whatever you all, you know, want to share. And I'm just so grateful and thankful. And, you know, like I said, to any woman or man, child, older person, to any person, period, who has gone through this, you know, I pray that you do see brighter days. I pray that you realize that you were never at fault for anything to happen to you, you know, so I I wish you all the best in, you know, life. (laughs) But that does conclude this episode of Molly with the Most. Thank you all for listening.